everyone. My name is Jonathan Hewitt, and welcome to the Conservative Voice Show, your place for honest, controversial, and the hottest in political conversations. Hey, everybody. So today, the left-wing news outlets continue to press that you are a very, very bad person if you do not scream that Biden has taken the presidency. The power struggle inside the Democratic Party continues and is almost reaching a boiling point. And the cancel culture attacks a cartoon. All of this and more in today's show. But before we start, what do you think about just the general cancel culture in America? And what do you think needs to happen in order for America to overcome it? Let me know down in the comments below. And of course, if you like the show, hit that like button, hit that follow button, so you can find out every time that we release one. All right, so for the past week or so, we have seen the narrative from the left being that Republicans just need to accept the result of the election, that Biden is the president-elect, and that nothing's going to change that. Well, it might be true, maybe. It may not also be true. We've seen the rise of countless claims, whether they're substantiated or not, of voter suppression, voter irregularity, voter fraud, all of these things that the Trump administration is accusing, and if they're found to be true, could have some influence on the election. But nonetheless, is the fact is, is that in a majority of, well, not a majority of states, in a few states, they're still counting ballots, in a majority of the swing states, there's legal processes still going on. The electorals have not been chosen and the electoral college has not cast their vote. So, like, unlike the popular belief, the media does not declare our presidents. Like, I've been saying this for days now, CNN, New York Times, Fox News, Washington Post, all of those, not a single one of those news outlets declare who our president are. They can say all that they want, they can scream it at the top of their lungs, but that, act, that doesn't actually mean that they are the right. Like, it doesn't mean that. And that's the problem that we're seeing is that they are demanding that the American people accept their, what they claim is true, even though the process hasn't happened yet. So. The media's thing is, is that everyone must congratulate President-elect Joe Biden, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and that if you fail to do so, then you're somehow like creating this idea that Trump is just going to like bar himself up in the Oval Office. Then he's just going to call in the freaking military and have tanks on the lawn of the White House while shooting guns out of the Oval Office, ensuring that the rest of his cabinet's in the West Wing of the White House. Like, None of that's happened, not, not a single bit of it, but that is what they want to see. And that is what they're kind of like cooking up inside the media. And so the, the only problem, like I said, with their narrative, well, not the only problem, the, major, the biggest problem is that they're saying Joe Biden has won the election when he hasn't technically won. But we see that narrative continue being pushed by Democrats, and the left media day after day. So in an article, and let me tell you, read this headline, guys. Like, like when I read this to you, like, these are the headlines at CNN. Like, 
like the people who are supposed to be like unbiased journalists, like objective journalism, these are the headlines. Here are the world leaders who have congratulated Joe Biden, which sure may be truthful. I'm not sure why it needs to be like said, like why that's a huge deal. But so in this article, um, published in CNN, written by Jennifer Hansler and Nicole Gowett. Leaders around the world have offered their congratulations to President-elect Joe Biden, even as the President Donald Trump refuses to concede his election loss. Okay, sure, you're right. But that's, that's, that's not an issue. And the only issue in that sentence is that you're, call, call, that you're calling Joe Biden the President-elect when he hasn't been elected by the system in America that elects presidents. The calls from some of the U.S. most consequential allies signal a repudiation of Trump's attempt to cling to power, and the incoming Democratic president has held a number of phone calls with key U.S. allies in the days since CNN projected his victories. These are some of the leaders whom, Bo- whom Biden has spoken or who have offered their congratulations on their victory. Now, it like lists people like um, Justin Trudeau from Canada, Angela Merkel from uh, Germany, King Salomon, and I'm going to completely screw this name up, I'll be honest, King Sam, Salman bin Abdulaziz al Saud, who is the king of Saudi Arabia. So all of these are leaders that have like expressed their like congratulations to Joe Biden. Not a single one of them are Americans, for one. So the idea that they probably have a good understanding of our constitution and our electoral process, probably, maybe not, I'm not saying that they won't, but they probably don't. And so the fact that they're congratulating them isn't that big of a deal. And it, it blows my mind how the media just keeps saying that, like, and they drive in. And the next article that we're gonna read about, they continue to drive home, like, like key people who have or have not congratulated Joe Biden, but there's nothing to congratulate him on yet. Sure, he performed outstanding. If the ballots are true and all of them are accurate and there's no voter irregularity and all those votes end up being accurate ballots for Joe Biden, that means he performed a spectacular on election night. Congratulate him for that. Spectacular in that instance. But congratulating him on the idea that he's the president-elect you're congratulating him on a title he has not actually been elected for yet. And so the, fu- the, mon- the funny thing is the media keeps doing this. And just, let's say that the tables were reversed, which they have been in 2016, where they refuse to accept the results of the election for four years now. And they're talking about us Republicans accepting the idea that uh, Donald Trump lost and Joe Biden won. It's funny how they continue to press this and that they're mad that Republicans will not openly say that Biden's won the election. But in a report from Political Today, numerous Republican senators, numerous Republican senators have began to kind of, I wouldn't say, like, say that he has won the election, but has slowly moved forward in the process of trying to get things done. So. In a report from Marianne Levine and Andrew Desiderio from Politico.com, Senate Republicans still aren't acknowledging that Donald Trump lost the election. 
but they're getting closer. As Trump refuses to concede and continues to wage legal battles based on unsubstantiated claims of voter fraud, which political normally and everything I've read has remained pretty unbiased. That is a pretty stout statement. Like no one has been in there that I know of inside the legal hearings, inside what investigation the Trump administration done, and for them to make the claim legal battles based on substantiated claims of voter fraud. Okay, how about we let the legal process work its way out and find out what evidence was or what evidence was not there. Anyway, Senate Republicans are increasingly deferring to the presidential transition process, arguing it should at least begin so that President-elect Joe Biden can receive high-level intelligence briefings. Both of them have to get ready to serve, if selected. We don't know who the winner is, so keep the briefings going. Senator James Lankford, Lankford, um, from Oklahoma. Ultimately, the president has to make this decision. Lankford, who has a, chairs the Homeland Security Subcommittee, noted that in 2000, then President Bill Clinton launched George W. Bush to begin receiving presidential level intelligence briefings during the recount in Florida. Lankford added that he plans to question the government agency responsible for jumpstarting the transition process if a certification is not made Friday. Senator Mark Rubio of Florida the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee has already said that Biden should start receiving the presidential daily brief, an intelligence report curated for the president and senior White House officials. Senator Roy Blunt, a member of the Intelligence Committee and the number four Senate Republican agreed Thursday. Whether Biden actually gets the product itself, I think the information needs to be communicated in some way, said Senator John Corn of Texas, a member of the Intelligence Committee. So what we're seeing here is many, many Senate Republicans that understand that, one, there's a legal process still going on. Two, that there needs to be some form of transition beginning and that the president, the president and the possibility that Biden may be the president-elect, they both have a invested interest in receiving those intelligence briefs and that both of them need to be prepared when, for whichever one may take office. And I completely agree with that. But what we also see here is, and it's funny, because you have political reporting that, and where senators, those are Republican senators that may not overtly be saying that Biden won the election because, well, they know that he technically hasn't won and that there is still a legal process going through. They are trying to push the president and push the rest of the gears of government into allowing Joe Biden to start to grease his own wheels so that the America is in the best spot that it can if he is to take office. But in a report today from CNN, they continue to harp that. And the headline from Devin, from David Cole of CNN, these Republicans are publicly recognizing Biden's legitimacy as president-elect. Ah, his legitimacy. Well, who made it legitimate, CNN? Because it wasn't the United States Constitution. It wasn't the people technically yet because the Electoral College hasn't voted. It's not the process that for 240 plus years the American people have been using to elect their presidents. So please tell me what legitimacy we are questioning. It says, a growing number of notable Republicans are beginning to recognize Joe Biden as president-elect, even as the 
President Donald Trump and many GOP leaders are still refusing to do so. In the days following Biden's projected win by CNN and other major news organizations, Trump has pressed forward with legal challenges to the election results. Repeatedly claimed without basis that Biden's victory was fraudulent and his administration has blocked access to several routine transition procedures. Several other Republicans, however, have taken a different approach, recognizing to various degrees that Biden will indeed become the 46th president of the United States. So just like they did it with the world leaders, they did it with the Republicans. So you have, on here you have like people like George W. Bush, you have the Ohio governor, Mike DeWine, Maryland governor, Larry Hogan, the Maine Senator Susan Collins, Alaska Senator Lisa Mikowski, Mitt Romney, all these go on and on and on, right? But it all is through the same game of trying to set the narrative that Trump is a bad man and is not going to concede the election if it comes out that the, the election was indeed fair and free, which I think we can all agree is incorrect. I think that we all can agree that he may be upset, he may be pissed off, and it may be a swift kick in the ass for him, but Trump is going to leave office and Biden, if he is elected, is gonna be inaugurated on January 20th. And that, for the most part, the American culture is going to go on and we're going to see what's going to happen in the next four years. That's what's going to happen. We all know that and we all just need to prepare for that. But the media can't do that because they have to continue the narrative that Trump is this terrible person based on the idea that he's not going to just let it go. But, like I said, they both need to be ready to serve, regardless of political party, regardless of your Democrat, Republican, Independent, Tea Party, whatever political party affiliation you have, both of them need to be ready for whatever challenges are gonna face the nation. And that's regardless of whichever one it is. And so the GSA, the needs to, in my opinion, open up the transition and at least start to begin it. Like they need to at least like begin the transition process so that when we get to January 20th, whichever, whichever candidate it ends up being, is prepared to leave the United States. And I'm sorry, for those who don't know, the GSA is the General Services, General Services Administration. They're pretty much the administration of the government that is in charge of like, taking care of the transition of the, of the presidency and ensuring that the elect is ready to take over on January 20th. And so, and speaking of like senators and Republicans and the election and everything else that's just going crazy on in like America right now is they, the Senate, inside the Senate, the Republicans have secured the seat in Alaska and the seat in North Carolina, which does bring the Senate to a 50-40 majority in favor of the Republicans, which we all had, we all knew that was coming. We all like anticipated that and that's why the race in Georgia that is ramping up is so, so important because if the Republicans win that, they'll maintain the Senate majority. And if the Democrats win, it'll tie the majority in the Senate and Kamala Harris, the vice president, if she's elected, will be the tiebreaker vote. So, 
But moving on, there are huge, huge problems in the Democratic Party. We've been talking about this for a few days. So we all remember that one moderator who decided that he was going to just become a, an acting member of the Democratic debate, the first one between uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah, we all do, right? Chris Wallace. Well, the guy who like also reports for Fox News and claims to be a moderate, moderate Democrat. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I guess we can go with that. But in an article by Fox News, Wallace said that if the Democrats flip the Senate, that they would apply enormous pressure to Biden. Like, I'm not shitting you. He said this. He said that they apply enormous pressure. Who actually believes that if Chuck Schumer becomes the Speaker of the House, that he would apply enormous pressure on Joe Biden? Like, hell, y'all can't even ask the man a hard question, let alone stand up against him. What are you going to press him with? Two giant marshmallows? Like, come on. Like, get out of here. Get real. Like, <laughs> so on the show, Chris also said something that was actually really funny. He said that there are going to be Democrats that push for things like defunding the police, the Green New Deal, and Medicare for all. But that he believes Biden won't allow for it and that it would alienate some of their voters. All right, two things. One, I don't think that Joe Biden is strong enough to withstand the radical left base that he has. We're already seeing this when you have people like AOC and other members of her squad and other members of the radical left making lists of Trump supporters and Trump administration and things that they tweet, making some lists for God knows what reason. And Biden hasn't seen, said a single damn word about it except preaching for unity. So you have his own party sowing this division, members of his own caucus sowing this division. But they believe that he's going to have the strength and like wherewithal to like stand up against the radical left. Yeah, get now. That man can barely stand and, and like read off of a teleprompter, let alone stand up against the oppressive left that like that he has garnered his base, so yeah. Second, I think it's clear in the last election that the left, and increasingly the radical left, could give two flying about their base. Like they could give like all rats ass about their base. They do not care. And they're going to continue to press the agenda that some of their constituents may want in, while completely alienating the rest of the voters. They don't care. That is the reason why they lost seats in the House and that the Republicans like incredibly outperformed them in House races is because the American people do not want socialized medicine. They do not want the defundment of police departments. They do not want a Green New Deal that is just going to destroy the American economy and get rid of its jobs. Like None of that is like things that they want, but they don't care. The Democrats do not care, and they proved that in this last election. So no, Chris Wallace, I do not believe Joe Biden has the will nor the wherewithal to withstand or stop the left if both they get a Senate majority and a House majority. Absolutely not. And remember how we saw like AOC over the last week tweeting that Trump's voters, supporters, and staff, like I said, she was placed on some list. Well, she, we've also seen her attack her member, like parties of her own, members of her own party. Sorry, it has been a long day at work today. 
So back on November 5th, remember, she attacked the House Democrat candidate, Claire um, McCaskill, telling her that she ran as a caravan hysterical dem on Twitter. I think this rhetoric is going to increase, especially over the next two years if Biden is elected. They will attack anyone that does not agree with them or their agenda. Absolutely, they will just berate them. And it's funny because AOC does that and makes those tweets and makes all that while on like the flip side of the coin calling for unity and that America just needs to embody and embrace each other. Like, it's hypocritical, honestly. She is such a freaking hypocrite. The majority of the Democratic Party is full of hypocrites. And it's like our own like kind of like comedy show, like courtesy of our House of Representatives, the truly brightest that America has to offer. But it's not just AOC. Other members of the squad um, attacked moderate like Democrat counterparts, specifically Rashida Tlaib. So before we get started in this, in order to understand why this is so important, we gotta kind of like rewind a little bit, like rewind to like last, like the Thursday after the election. So the Thursday after the election, there was kind of like a family gathering of all the House of Democrats on a conference call where the moderate Democrats scolded the far left and progressive Democrats on how defunding the police and Black Lives Matter almost lost in the seats. And in many instances was the reasons why the House lost so many Democratic seats. And then the progressives continued to defend their views saying that the moderate de- the moderate Democrats just don't listen to their constituent base and that if they did, they would be all for all of the socialism and the progressiveness that the House Democrats want. So you have those two bickering like school children back and forth at each other. And then you have like Nancy Pelosi coming in with the ruler, the teacher as a ruler, smacking it down on the table, trying to tell them that everything's gonna be okay when in all actuality, there's a giant atomic bomb brewing inside the Democratic Party. So in a report from Politico today, it was written by Laura Baron Lopez and Holly Otterbine. Rashida Tlaib isn't apologizing for wanting to yank money away from the bad police departments. She has no second thoughts about her embrace of the Black Lives Matter movement or for wanting to aggressively fight fight climate change. It all amounts to unfair blame casting designed to shame them into staying quiet, they say, right as Democrats gain control of the White House. We're not going to be successful if we're silencing districts like mine, said Tlaib who told her colleagues something similar during a contentious call call last week. Me not being able to speak on behalf of many of my neighbors right now, many of which are black neighbors, means me being silenced. I can't be silent. We are not interested in unity that asks people to sacrifice their freedoms and their rights any longer. Said Tlaib, whose Michigan district is among the poorest in the country. And if we truly want to unify our country, we have to really respect every single voice. We say that so willingly when we talk about Trump supporters, but we don't say that willingly for my black and brown neighbors and from the LGBTQ neighbors or marginalized people. Oh, really? You're not, huh? So you're willing to come together and accept that every American has the same right. Um, except for anytime anybody expresses a single view that opposes you, you guys batter them with a baseball bat into submission. And 
What are they sacrificing? And what freedoms and rights do they no longer have? Like, I, I truly want to know, and I don't understand where she's going with this, saying that every American, not every American, every person in her district is marginalized and are making some huge sacrifice and don't have the same rights as every other American. Like, I truly don't get it. What you actually mean to say and is that if we do not bow down to the squad and the socialist movement, then we're taking people's rights away. That's what you're trying to tell me. You're telling me that if I disagree with your constituents and you, that somehow I'm bad and that I'm stripping them of their rights. Well, remember, their right is to be heard. Their right is that representation. Their right is to be able to say what they want to say without fear and retaliation. That is their right. Their right is not always getting their way. Like, that is not a right. Like, that is absolutely not a right. If voters can walk past blighted homes and school closures and pollutions to vote for Biden-Harris when they feel like they don't have anything else, they deserve to be heard. Like, I, I truly, truly don't understand what she's trying to say. She then goes on to talk about how the, her moderate Democrats are taking the side of Republicans divide and conquer racism. Like, lady, what are you actually talking about? Like, I, I truly don't understand. The only thing that is dividing your party and your constituency in America is the constant beratement of socialist ideas and that we're not allowed to have free speech if it disagrees with you. Is the cancel culture continually trying to cram down on anything that disagrees with them? So, like, I, I truly don't understand. Like, I can't put my head around it. But along with, like, the ongoing turmoil inside the Democratic Party, all of that is this kind of an exacerbated by none other than his truly Bernie Sanders, who said that he would introduce a 100-day agenda of his own into the Senate. Uh, I wonder if he knows that he lost the election and that normally presidents give their 100-day agenda, not Senate. And not even like a Senate majority or Senate, like any leadership, just, just a senator. Huh. Like, hmm. Or, hear me out, is he gunning for one of the cabinet seats like the rest of the Democratic nominees? Like, I find it, like, absolutely funny. Like, I can sit back here and just watch, right? And you can just literally just see, like, the seethingness and how much people have flipped. Like, people like Elizabeth Warren, Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, who all viciously attacked Joe Biden during the election, that are now, like, scurrying up like lost puppy dogs, trying to get, like, a scrap of food and to try to like worm their way into a cabinet position under the Biden administration. So there have been numerous rumors that Warren and Sanders would lead the Treasury and Labor Departments. In a report from Fox News, Bernie Sanders said during an appearance on CNN, what's true is I want to do everything I can to protect the working families of this country who are under tremendous duress right now, whether that's in the Senate whether that's in a Biden administration, who knows? Oh, so you want a Biden, you want a cabinet position, gotcha. In an interview on Sean Hannity's show with Senator Mark Rubio, I think he said it best. And, that, and the reason why is because Senator Mark Rubio, we all know, like has zero filter. Like he does not care. And he straight up says that like, the people that Biden would put in his cabinet, cabinet are out of their freaking minds like legitimately out of their minds. 
And he is absolutely 100% right. Imagine Bernie Sanders as the leader of the treasury. Could, dear Christ, pardon my French, forgive me. Holy hell. Like, could you imagine that? But here's Mark Rubio straight shooting about the Biden cabinet. I'm telling you that people who are crazy and have crazy ideas have an extraordinary amount of you power like and influence Biden? in that party. Well, I can tell you this, you know, yeah. Well, I, I hear it's a good point. I don't know if Joe Biden, I wouldn't say Joe Biden's crazy, but I will tell you that in his administration, if there is one, it is going to have people on that cabinet that are out of their minds, that defund the police people, the Green New Deal people, the people that want to uh, you know, do all kinds of things that, that undermine the vitality of this country's economy, the people that don't believe there should be any immigration laws. You talked about it. So like I said, could you imagine a Biden-led treasury? I'm sorry, not a Biden, a Bernie-led treasury? Like, on the plus side, I guess, the government will be paying my rent from now on. I wouldn't have an electric bill. Hell, I wouldn't have student debt anymore or anything else that I need to pay for. Like, as Bernie tries to give all of that to me at the expense of the taxpayer. Like, let me, let me just stop right there. I do gotta give Bernie mad props at that. Is he was one of the only candidates that, during the um, primaries, was like, yep, I want to do all this and I'm going to raise your taxes to like $10 billion to make sure that it happens. Like, he, he was like, yep, I'm going to raise it. This is what I'm going to do. And if you don't like it, oh well. So, got to give the man props for that. But here's what I think is going to happen, all right? Is I think that if the Democrats take majority in the Senate, that Bernie Sanders, Bernie will take one of those departments. But if these Republicans hold the Senate majority, Bernie Sanders is going to stay there because the left and Biden and the House and the rest of the um, Democratic senators all know that they need that progressive leadership inside the Senate if they want to swing anything. And they do not want to risk up, risk giving up another seat inside the Senate chambers. So I think if they, Democrats take majority, he'll lead one of those cabinets. However, if they do not take majority, he will remain inside the Senate. So also in that same interview with Sean Hannity, Rubio brings up some, some other good points, especially regarding like culture, culture and the general attitude of the American people right now. He talks about how the people are afraid of losing their job, of speaking freely and all of this goes down to that, that, that woke and just that, that cancerous, like cancel culture that has kind of like gripped our nation for the last few years. And what is truly scary is just how powerful like the cancel culture has become in our nation. Like how much like the woke culture has just integrated itself into our life and has just like, like begin to like choke the American way of life. Like, and just like squeeze the air out of like, the things that made America, America. Like squeeze the air out of like the one system that allows them to say all those woke ideas. They then turn around and choke because everyone else's ideas don't align with theirs. But here's Rubio again speaking about what people fear and the way that is being harnessed and like, and how this harnessed the voting against Joe Biden multi-ethnic, multi-racial, working-class party. And what I mean by working-class party are normal, hard-working, everyday people that don't want to live in a city where there's no police department, 
where people rampage through the streets every time they're upset about something, where their kids are afraid that they're going to fail a college course because unless they agree with their crazy professor, where they're afraid to speak out on what they believe on some issue because they might get fired from their job, where they're going to be called a racist because they wear a MAGA hat or have a sticker on their car. And people recoil at all this and more. And, and I think so the cancel culture literally has like embedded itself into every aspect of people's life from the way they walk, the way they talk, the way they dress, what they post, what they read, what they believe. And so in a report today from the New York Post, people are now calling for the cancellation of the Mandalorian. First of all, if you haven't watched it right after this episode, take yourself out to your TV, your phone, your iPad, your computer, whatever you watch it on, get on Disney Plus and start watching it. And then this weekend, do yourself a favor, set it up on Saturday and binge watch all 10 episodes because the show is absolutely phenomenal, okay? I promise you, if you haven't watched it, do it. But what are they trying to cancel? Well, they're trying to cancel it because a CGI animated cartoon ate another CGI character's reptile legs like i shit you not like that is that is literally where we are at in our culture so in that report from the new york post that was written by jack hobbs baby yoda whose real name is the child is tasked with shuffling the character and her eggs to a new planet before they die however several times in the episode baby yoda is caught either trying to steal or eating one of the eggs this attempt at a running gag drew the ear of many fans who saw this as vilifying Baby Yoda. One said, I'm a mom. It's not funny at all to hear Mama Frog Lady go into great detail about how important and beloved her eggs are to her and have to watch them get eaten on three separate occasions for shits and giggles. Can't just one mom get to survive and keep her kids? Ah. Gotcha. So you as a mom, you're worried about some other reptilian mom on a cartoon, well, on a show that isn't real with a character that isn't real eating an egg because it's funny and he's an alien and probably would definitely eat reptile eggs. And that it's actually just kind of humorous because it kind of embodies the idea that you tell kids no a hundred freaking times because the Mandalorian does on all three of those occasions tell the baby Yoda or the child no, but that doesn't stop them. For the record, the frog lady was very adamant about the fact that her eggs were important to her, and that was the, her last and only chance to have kids. So it's actually closer to fucking up someone's in vitro fertilization, which would be incredibly upsetting for a wannabe mom. It's not funny, another user tweeted. Okay. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know anymore. I, you literally can't even watch a television show in America right now without like, like, are you kidding me? It is a kid. So at least there's somebody here and I'm about to read it that has some form of common sense. And other users reported, however, put some of the irate fans on blast. If you are a person living in this world today, and this is the sort of thing that makes you upset, please consider joining one of those one-way missions to Mars. So it's funny, like when we laugh about something just as small and like mediocre as that, 
But now, like, it just goes to show how deeply embedded that, like, cancel culture is. Is that you can't even watch a show in America right now without somebody being upset about it, somebody tweeting about it, someone letting it know, like, be known. Like, it's, like, someone needs to write a book about this, about how much, like, the woke culture and the cancel culture is destroying America. Like, someone needs to write a book about this. Like, I may do it. Like, I may just do that, right? Like, like it is absolutely insane how much it has, like, permeated so much of our life. Where, like, The Mandalorian, a Star Wars series that has a huge following base, is under scrutiny because a CGI character ate another CGI character's eggs. Like, it is absolutely ridiculous. But... Anyway, guys, that's going to be it for today. And sure, if you like, if you like the show, make sure you leave a like at the bottom. Also, let me know again, like I said, in the comments what you think about the cancel culture, what you think it's doing to America, and what Americans need to do if they're going to kind of stop this culture that has cultivated itself into our society. Also, if you don't already, follow me over on Twitter, follow me on Instagram. I have show updates on there, things about like, like current events, and news articles that aren't necessarily gone over in the podcast and just general funny things that are going on in my life. So make sure you follow over there. Also, if you want to watch full episodes of the podcast and full video podcast where you can see yours truly, make sure you follow us over at the YouTube channel. Subscribe at The Conservative Voice Show. I will link that down in the show description. And as always, guys, thanks for watching. Be safe and God bless.